Today, I'm speaking with Anne-Marie Espina. Anne-Marie is the founder and CEO of the ADHD Business University and the Accomplished Mind Method. She's also the leader in ADHD transformation for entrepreneurs and helps leaders in business learn how to use the power of ADHD for success in their businesses. You can tell by listening to her that she's passionate about helping others release themselves from the social stories around ADHD that are holding them back. And she's been there and she leads by example and has a really inspiring story to share with us today. So enjoy. You're listening to The Inspired Wave, stories of everyday heroines, real life inspiration. I'm your host, transformational coach and connection catalyst, CJ Rivard. Join me weekly to hear real life inspiration and tips for tackling your life's challenges. Each week you'll hear from a relatable woman who shares about her struggles and the tools she used to work through them. By being women of courageous action, vision, and ongoing evolution, each of us can create a ripple of positive impact and together we'll create a wave of change. Join us. All right. Well, welcome back, everyone. I am excited to introduce you today to my friend, Anne-Marie Espina. Did I say that right? I got yes, it. nailed okay. it. <laughs> you just heard a little bit about her, and this is going to be a great conversation. Anne-Marie, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited doing this episode with you, CJ. Yeah, thanks for being here. So tell us a little bit first about where you are dialing in from today and a little about who you are. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I currently am in Tulum, Mexico. I have been living here for the last six months, which is super amazing. It's like a dream location to me. You know, it's somewhere that I always thought, okay, when I retire, I'll move to Mexico and I'll buy some property. And yeah, I just decided that it was time to do it now. So, you know, my 50 year goals came true in like five years and it's really, it's amazing. So yeah, I am an ADHD coach for entrepreneurs and I work doing a lot of transformational work for entrepreneurs who have ADHD. So it's really helping them come to a place of not feeling so scattered, disorganized, and they have the ability more to understand how their brain works. And so they can set up systems for themselves to support themselves in being more successful in business. Because unmanaged ADHD, I don't know if you know or not, but it can be super like impact every area of your life and it can be really overwhelming and exhausting. Mm -hmm. So I just love, yeah, I get super excited about it. (laughs) Yeah. About helping people that are trying to work through that like you did. That's amazing. And where are you from originally? So I'm from Calgary, Alberta in Canada, which is super cold (laughs) right now. And I was also living in Vancouver recently in Canada. So yeah, home is Canada for me. Got it. Yeah. A little different from Mexico, but that's so amazing. You Mm. made your 50 year dream come true. That's yeah, clearly, clearly that was a little ahead of schedule. So maybe we'll, we'll get into that as well today. Great. So where do you want to start? Let's talk about growing up with ADHD or diagnosis or how you navigated life, at least, you know, through school. Mm -hmm. What was that like for you? 
Yeah. So when I was probably like 10 or 12 years old, I remember the day that I didn't go to school because my mom kind of knew something. I was struggling with learning, reading and writing. And so she took me to the psychologist and I like super vividly remember that day. I didn't want to be there because I kind of didn't really understand what was going on. But I had to tell my friends that I was missing school for some reason and they knew I wasn't sick. And so I didn't, I didn't really like it. But yeah, I got diagnosed from that appointment with ADHD, the inattentive kind. So that's more somebody who is like a daydreamer. You know, you're kind of in your head. A lot of women actually don't get diagnosed because they don't present the typical symptoms. Little boys, little boys are running around and crazy, but super hyperactive, right? So a lot of women get diagnosed later in life. But yeah, I got diagnosed when I was 10 or 12 years old. From that point, my mom was like super active in my journey with ADHD. So she set me up with a lot of tutors, extra support, all that kind of stuff to really improve my learning ability. And throughout school, I struggled a lot because, you know, the accommodations that I had to write my tests which was like extra time, a quiet space. I hated them at the time. Like I hated them so much because, you know, you're getting pulled out of your class when you're that age and your friends are still in the class. And it's like, oh, where are you going? Why do you get extra time? Why do you get to take your calculator with you? And it was like, oh man, I I hated it so much. And then I kind of went into school later on and I had our little class for certain classes like English and math, we had students who had like learning disabilities or ADHD. We were all in one room and me and my friends at the time, we always just used to joke about it. And obviously we were just hiding how we were. We felt a lot of shame, but we would say, okay, well, we got to go into the stupid math class now or, oh yeah, this is where the stupid kids go, you know? And so it was yeah. like, we struggled. <laughs> it really and affects the self-esteem kind of because kids just want to be like everybody else and blend in, right? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Totally. And so I think like there's a narrative kind of in the space, like, oh, things would have been so much different if I was diagnosed earlier. And, you know, at the end of the day, like we all have our challenges, they all look different. And, you know, I was still diagnosed when I was younger. I still had the support, but I had my own, exactly like you mentioned, my own self-esteem challenges with everything. And then I got re-diagnosed two more times so I can definitely confirm I have ADHD, <laughs> but I went to my first, my, sec- my first post-secondary, they wanted me to get reassessed to make sure that, you know, they were spending a lot of money on me for my accommodations, extra tutoring, all that. They wanted to confirm I had ADHD. And then and three years later, when I went to my second post-secondary, the same thing. I went is in university in Australia there and uh, to get my medication there because I was on medication when I was younger for most of my life. And I had to get re-diagnosed there to actually get the medication because they have a lot of loopholes there. So yeah, it was it was a journey <laughs> with my ADHD. And um, it kind of led me to where I am today because I've always wanted to like help people. I've always had lots of confidence and lots of energy. And when I was younger, I would just say to my friends, okay, we'll just be more confident. Like, what's the problem? You're amazing, right? And you don't realize there's a lot of other layers that go to it. And yeah. so when I got into business, I started my coaching business and then I realized, okay, well, this is how you actually teach people how to be confident. And this is some of the stuff that's going on underneath. And then, yeah, my business just kind of like started snowballing and I just couldn't stop talking about business. So I was like, okay, I got to work with entrepreneurs. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So funny. So yeah, so much energy there to be helping, you know, a group that really could use it. What do you think you learned or how did having this disability 
help you or mold you as a young person? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, so many ways. So I think a lot of the, there was so much development that happened. I'm trying to think of what would be a good story to tell. So I think there was kind of like in two different directions. One of them was in terms of like personal narratives, right? I learned that for many years, I took the perception of the medical model and I took it on as my own. Right. And so I believe that I was quote unquote damaged, or I believe that I had these problems that couldn't be quote unquote fixed. And so I put a lot of my self worth into what other people perceived about me and what they told me was possible for me. And they told me how my brain operated. So I took those on for a long time and I held a lot of anger and like shame mm-hmm. towards it in that sense, all of which I've, you know, worked through now. But the other side of that was, you know, some of the narratives that people talk about, I I call them social stories, social stories about ADHD. What are things that commonly people say about ADHD? Once I was able to kind of like release some of those, you know, uh, or sorry, actually go back. (laughs) The social story, a lot of it is, okay, people with ADHD, they have to try extra hard and it takes them a lot longer to learn, Uh which I mean, is it true? I don't really know. What are they measuring it against? Right. And so for me, I used it in a sense of, okay, it's going to take me a lot longer to learn than these other people. But what I think actually happened was I actually put in a lot of work on the forefront to learn how to write. You know, when I went to university, I didn't know how to write. (laughs) And I was in tears when they told me that, you know, I just paid 40 or $50,000 to go to university there. And they were like, okay, you have to write. And I didn't know how, and I just cried and cried and cried, but I had to teach myself how to write in university. By that, I had to put in a lot of extra work up front to work with my brain is, which is what I thought. But then by the time I finished university, you know, I was like acing all my papers because in my mind, I perceived that it took me a lot longer to learn than other people. So it's kind of like, um, I don't know what you call it, like a catch 22 or something Mm -hmm. like that. I had this perception that it took me a long time. So it actually fueled me in learning better and putting in the work up front so that, you know, in the end it all paid off. (laughs) Yeah. Big time. Now, I've also heard, and I don't know if this is a particular type of ADHD or it's one of those things that's different for everybody. I'm sure it is, but that there are times or maybe in particular areas that you can really hyper-focus and it can be a real gift. Did you find that with anything? Yeah. So I would say I do have still periods of hyper-focus and I did a lot. When I was younger, I... Looking back, I can't tell if it was actually the medication that I was taking that made me more focused or not, but there was definitely things that I loved doing and I would just do them for like hours on end. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think that's one of the reasons why so many people who are entrepreneurs have ADHD, right? Because they think it's like we get excited about something and it's like you're all in (laughs) on it. And so that's why some of the most successful people in the world are entrepreneurs with ADHD, right? Richard Branson's of the world. Because it's it's you get excited about something and you're you're there. There's no taking <laughs> you back off task. Then you're just in it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, that's great. Well, that's good. That's better than the opposite, I guess. You're uh, you're committed. That's amazing. Yes, totally. So I think was it much? I mean, I understand that at this point you're not on medication. Was it much of a process or a struggle to first come off, but then also to learn how to navigate and be 
productive, successful, whatever you want to call it, without that tool? Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, yeah. I took it from a really young age. I was on medication probably from when I was like 10 or 12 years old. And it definitely served a purpose. You know, I think it supported me a lot in school because with the hyper-focus with the ADHD brain, you're not interested in something. You're just not interested in it and you don't do it. And for me, that was school. I was such a troublemaker. Honestly, I almost got expelled, I think, from both of my schools. (laughs) But yeah, so it helped me a lot. The kind of, I guess, as I was finishing university, I knew for me that, I didn't want to be on this forever because I knew that when I took the medication for anybody who's listening, talk to your doctor about medication. This is only my personal experience, but um, I felt like I would get a kick and get like an excitement out of it. You know what I mean? And so I knew that what it was doing to my brain and how it was changing me in the day, I was like, I can't be on this forever. It's not good. My brain's not naturally producing this. I can't, I can't be on this. And so I was like, I'm just going to have to figure out how to work, you know, without it. And I moved, I went from Australia back to Vancouver and I was living with a girl, one of my best friends. And she would come home from work and every day at five o'clock, I'd be on my bed, like crying my eyes out. And she was like, what's wrong with you? I was like, I don't know. My meds just wear off at this time. I like, I don't know what to do. It was like six months probably. She's like, you got to stop taking those. I was like, I can't, I don't know. She's like, just try it, do it for like a few weeks. And so I'm so glad she pushed me to do it. Cause she knew that I was talking about wanting to get off of them, but I, I felt like addicted almost like I, yeah. I felt super dependent on them. Like I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't take myself off of it or I couldn't function without them. And you had stories um, about how hard it would yeah. be and how you yeah. maybe couldn't. Yeah. Couldn't 100%. Yeah. So then I stopped taking them just cold Turkey one day. I'd tried like, you know, some people are like, oh, well, you should try a different medication. No, I tried it, literally every single one that there is. My mom was a pharmacist. We went through the whole gamut of them. <laughs> I had no interest in them. And so, yeah, it was super messy. I felt like I was just in a hurricane. I felt like I was in a blender uh, the day we finished. And I was like, what the heck is going on? It was really bad. So it was super messy for probably, I would say maybe six months. And then that's when I started doing my personal development work, understanding myself, understanding my brain, working through a lot of my past traumas in my life and my symptoms. Like I realized, okay, not that I could control them, but I had a way more better understanding about what my triggers were, how my brain operated, how I could support myself better. And this was kind of all as my journey unfolded, it was like divine timing of everything. You know, I got kind of everything sorted out for me in my head. And then I was like, okay. You know, all the tools I've been learning my whole life in terms of managing my ADHD kind of started coming together, like piecing everything together. So it was really cool how it all unfolded. But yeah, a huge part of calming my brain and and being able to function without medication was transformational journey and working with a coach and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, yeah. And away you went. That's got to be so rewarding to have been in that fearful place of, I can't do this, but I have to do this, to Mm -hmm. having come out successfully on the other end and worked through it. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, totally. So do you have any advice for someone who is, I don't know, contemplating not just ADHD meds, but something that they want to quit doing, but that they rely on? You know, maybe, maybe it's caffeine drugs or, or alcohol, caffeine. Yes. Oh my goodness. Don't, <laughs> I'm not giving up my caffeine, <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know, that we all have our 
I don't want to call it a crutch because it was a valuable tool for you until it wasn't. Mm -hmm. But we all have those things that we rely on. And it's really hard to envision, even though we think it would be healthier or better for us to give it up. So what would you say to encourage or give someone a quick tip on how they should approach it, I guess, if they're ready to seriously consider giving up coffee as an example. Yeah. I heard there's a guy called uh, Mark Groves and I was listening to his podcast one time and he was saying for him, it was like caffeine, right? You know, he found that every morning he woke up and he like had to have his coffee, you know? And he said something along the lines of, you know, like if this coffee is going to rule me, I need to get rid of it. And so when anything in your life is like gripping on you so tightly like that, or you feel like you're almost like addicted to it, it's like, mm-hmm. you got to cut it out. <laughs> Just and to prove you can, you can, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's mind over matter, right? It's setting your mind on what you want and being like, okay, you're going to figure out a way, right? Whether instead of having that cup of coffee in the morning... To wake up, you go for a run. Maybe you even just have decaf or, you know, maybe you're going for a walk in the morning or it's just like finding something to replace that Mm. habit, I guess. Yep. It is. Yeah. The habit, the habit brain and how you break out of that habit Mm -hmm. for sure. But it is possible. Yeah. 100%. It totally is. Right. And like the amount that I shared on my Instagram, you know, I said I felt like an addict to get off of this was like the end of the world. It was like I thought about it and then I couldn't think about the thought of not having it because I was like, I can't, I can't function without it. And that's what we are taught to believe and we're conditioned to believe. But, you know, it's when you have your intention set on something, you'll do anything to find a way to make it work. And that's what I was like, I will find a way no matter what. This isn't going to like take over my life like this. I know I don't want to be on it for me. It wasn't the right decision. So will I ever go back on it at some point in my life? I honestly have no idea. Yeah. It's not for me right now. Yeah. So. Do you think, you know, part of believing finally that you could do it and giving it a try, was that part of your personal development self-love, self-trust journey? Do you think that's related or something else that spurred you, was able to support you, I guess, in the the process? Yeah. So for me, that all happened before I kind of started on my personal development journey. I mean, I was like into reading some of the books and I hadn't actually ever worked with a coach or anything like that. You know, and we... We know Jim Fortune. That's the program that probably for me really helped me understand how I can use it in my benefit. It's obviously not an ADHD course, but it changed my relationship with myself. Yes. Before that, the one thing that got me off of it, honestly, was I was just telling my friend, I just kept telling her. And if it wasn't for her and her support, I don't think I wouldn't have done it. I wouldn't have done it because she pushed me. She's like, hurry up, just stop talking about it and just do it. So. All right. You know, well, then pulling out the accountability, uh, pulling out what worked for you would be even if you didn't ask for help, like pulling in a supportive relationship to support you and encourage you to make the change that was good for you at that time that you needed. Yeah. Oh my gosh. 100%. I think relationships are so important. That's something that I teach within my program is like, 
you don't have a business if you don't have a network. You don't have mm-hmm. you don't have anything. I've been super grateful. I have like tons of best friends all over the world. I have like 10 best friends, honestly. And like, it's good to have those kind of people in your life. And I think it's just so important. You don't have to have 10 of them, but you just need to have one or two people that you can really rely on. Yeah. And that support you in the right way, not to keep you where you are, but in your growth and your vision. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's something I talk about, you know, are they the right relationships, not trying to keep you stuck? Yeah. But supporting yeah. you to move forward is so important. Those yeah. those kinds of relationships are key. It's amazing. 100%. Yeah, they're super good. So tell us about, I know that, when was it that you launched the coaching business? And was there any, I don't know, any obstacles you had to work through in getting into that, deciding to pursue that new career? Yeah. I actually had a friend of mine who was uh, working with a business coach and they were this business coach had just started out. And so she was doing a couple sessions in exchange for a testimonial. And my friend told me about this. I'm like, who is she? Give me your contact details. I had no idea what I wanted to do at that point. I just knew I wanted to work for myself. And so I went to this business coach and I was like, I need you to help me. I don't have any idea what I want to do. And she was like, normally I work with people who only have ideas, but like, let's see what we can do. (laughs) And so we started working together and then I went on and and worked with her full time. And it was just crazy how everything kind of started to unfold. At the time I was working, doing, uh, selling custom kitchens, designing and selling kitchens. And so I was making no money. I was living in Vancouver. I was just struggling so hard. And this was probably just the beginning of like when the pandemic started and I picked up a second job on the weekend so that I could pay this business coach. And I started getting my business going and I was working like 60 hours a week, which looking back, I mean, I had to do it to kind of get where I, I am now, but it was crazy. Anyways, I then I started working at this other company. It was a really high-end kitchen company and I thought it was going to be a great uh, relationship. I think we both did. And I worked there for a little while and I was a really bad employee because I wanted to do things my way, not the way they wanted me to do them. <laughs> so I actually ended up getting fired probably like three months into working there. It was a mess. And uh, it was perfect timing because I called my business coach the next day and I was like, okay, I got six weeks of pay. Let's go. <laughs> and um, so I had, I had, um, you know, we organized my first launch to be pretty much the day that I like had ran out of money. And it was amazing. I think I had like seven people register in my program. So my launch was like, I don't know, 14 or $15,000 or something. And I was like, okay, this is amazing. I'm never working for anybody else ever. There you go. For sure. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's great. So you, well, so what I pulled out of that was commitment. Once you decided you wanted to work for yourself, you invested in a coach, you worked extra to pay for it, and you were committed to making it happen. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah. That's and I remember what it takes. Yeah. I remember at the time when it kind of all happened, right? I kind of started working at this grocery store. Like literally I was just working on the till. Here I was working at this like bougie, beautiful kitchens in the day that cost like, you know, 60,000 for like a basic kitchen. And then here I am working at the grocery store. Like it was (laughs) a very stark contrast, but I was just like, and I didn't tell anybody I was working there because I was like, I don't want people to see me here, but 
it was kind of like I was working there because I didn't know what was going to happen with my job. I didn't know what was going to happen with the pandemic, but it all worked out perfectly because I just kept paying my business coach all that money. So yeah, it was amazing. Yep. And well, you know, when you have your mindset on something, yep. you make it happen. You know, anything, you push anything out of the way. Well, it, it, evidently you do. You are committed. And so how did you manifest your 50-year plan of moving to Mexico? I was sitting in Vancouver. And for anybody who knows, Vancouver in the winter is dreary. It is rainy. And I remember I was living with one of my best friends, the same girl. And I remember the apartment that we were in overlooked the alley. And I had seen in Vancouver, there's a lot of homeless people. And I had seen the 50th million homeless person rummaging through the trash. And it was dreary as ever. And I was sitting there, I was like, why am I here? This is like, no. And so I decided that day, okay, I need to get out of here. My friends knew I wanted to go, but I really enjoyed living with my roommate at the time. So I was like, okay, well, once like our lease is up or whatever, you know, I'll leave. And so she ended up buying an apartment and it was like perfect timing for me to just like come down to Mexico. So I had my intentions set on it and everything kind of just started to unfold. So it was amazing. And so now I live in Mexico. That's so awesome. That really sounds like a dream come true. It really does. Yeah. And I hope um, anyone listening hears that she set her intention and focused on it and made it happen. And it, any one of us, I'm not saying we can all pick up and move to Mexico, but you know, you have to dream, know what you want or decide what you want, set your intention. And what I've heard really clearly from Anne Marie is then be committed to it and believe in yourself because you can do it when you believe in yourself and you stay committed is, you know, you start mm -hmm. looking for those new pathways to move the ball in the direction you want. Yeah. A lot of, I think, um, a lot of great lessons there, Anne-Marie. <laughs> yeah. I think too, like there's a lot of times when I didn't believe in myself and it was like just desperate need to not be where I was. And the only option for that was going towards the thing that maybe I did believe in or didn't believe in, but it was like, okay, well, this just has to work. There's no other option, you know? And mm -hmm. it's still like that. This has to work and I will do anything to make it work. I will like put myself out there, say things that maybe make me look silly, but I'll do it because I'm not going back to where I was working before. I'm not working for somebody else. It's not negotiable. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, that's a great point as well because a lot of us will create dreams and think about it. And wouldn't it be nice if, but if, you know, if you're not willing to push forward or, you know, burn the bridge, as they say, mm -hmm. or, you know, really put some fire to your butt, <laughs> it's yeah. easy to just keep thinking and dreaming about it for years and years. And, you know, mm -hmm. 50 years goes by and maybe it has not materialized yet. So good for you. Sooner is better. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Completely. You'll never be ready. Right. <laughs> you right. Do it. That's right. I, well, anything that involves change is scary. As we know, you know, the people that make big things happen, big, exciting dreams happen. It's not that they're not scared. I assume. I mean, you feel fear, right? Oh yeah. Occasionally. 
it's time, not, yeah. I mean, if it's a change, there's going to be fear surrounding it, but it's, mm-hmm. it's a question of whether you let it stop you and keep you just sitting there dreaming about it or whether you want that thing enough to push through because you're, you know, what's the worst thing that can happen? Mm-hmm. Feel the fear and do it anyway. I love that quote. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, I'm a believer. Sometimes the fear is too big. It's really hard to do it anyway. There are ways to try and mitigate it. And, but yeah, at some point, if you're stepping out of your comfort zone, there will be discomfort. Yeah. (laughs) You know, hopefully it's just not paralyzing because that's dysfunctional. You want to enjoy that fear because you're stepping up and doing something big. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Good stuff. Yeah, right. I love it. So, Anne-Marie, we've talked a little bit about your business. Why don't you tell us where people can connect or get hold of you if they want to learn more? And I will include it in the show notes so they can, you know, if you're driving, no problem. Don't write it down. We'll put it in the show notes. (laughs) Yeah, amazing. So I mostly live on Instagram. So my Instagram is at anne-marie.espina. And yeah, if they would like to know more, I have two offers. I work people one-on-one with signature offer called the Accomplished Mind Method. And I also have the ADHD Business University. So that is globally the first university for ADHD entrepreneurs, which is amazing. So it's all ADHD-friendly learning. Students that I have in there right now, one of them is a teacher and she's starting her own business and she's like mind blown. She's like, this is unreal. You've taught me how to teach my students better. So it's really a totally like globally unique program. So it's all about ADHD transformation and then sales and marketing for the easily distracted entrepreneur and also systems habits and for people with ADHD to support you on your journey and also how you're building out your network to again, support you on your ADHD journey. So yeah. That's amazing. Fabulous. Well, congrats for all of that because that sounds like You've accomplished a lot in a short time and I'm excited to see you continue to shine. You've got a great gift yeah. that you're you're sharing with a lot of people that need it. So thank you for that. Thank and, you um, so much and thanks for having me. Yeah, this has been a great conversation. I always enjoy seeing you on Instagram, but talking in person is even better. So thank you for sharing your time and wisdom and everyone, thank you for tuning in. We appreciate you being here. Make it a great day. Thank you. If you're like most women, you have a big dream on your heart and really want to make a positive impact in the lives of others. But self-doubt, fear, or other limiting beliefs often get in your way. What many women don't realize is that the one thing that can catapult them forward is deepening their self-love and self-esteem. So I have a free ebook for you that's really going to help you in this area. It's called 30 Days to Deepen Self-Love, and you can download it at the link in our show notes. Enjoy.